0: and welcome to Podcast by Committee Episode 3. Today's very special guest, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic Chicago. Kevin, thanks for joining us, man.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, talking to you from beautiful Bourbonnais, Illinois. I've seen a
0: lot of Bourbonnais in my feed. I don't know if it's because people are talking about the Bears or if I'm just following a lot of uh, Chicago sports, or maybe you're, just, you're up early. But this morning on the way in, it's like Bourbonnais like everywhere in my feed, so... It's kind of yeah, cool. I
1: had a, I I talked to one of the Bears rookies yesterday, and he was like pointing to the big water tower that says Bourbonnais, and he goes, "I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like French or something." So it's it's a new thing for a lot of these guys to get used to. And Bourbonnais is uh, for, for especially for some of the players who are like from cities, um, it's just kind of mind blowing to them when they get here. And we're only about seventy miles south of Chicago.
0: Uh, th- I mean, this is probably putting you on the spot, but what is the the history behind Bourbonnais? Were there French settlers who came across and Founded the the, the village
1: city? That's a great question. I just always assume that there were just a few, you know, bourbon drinkers who wanted to, uh, you know, make a town and and add a little French to it. So I'm going to go with that.
0: (laughs) That works for me. That's cool. Uh, You can follow Kevin on Twitter at KFishbane. And uh, I want to plug is is one of days from training camp that are going up on the site now in the Athletic Chicago. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this, you're obviously a subscriber. So I don't have to plug any discounts or subscribe or tell you how awesome it is. Uh, But, you know. Kevin Fishbane, fantasy-friendly and
1: uh, and fresh content every day.
0: So let's hop to it. Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. Um, you're a fantasy guy, right?
1: Yes, I am. And actually, you know, uh, Ballard knows this a, a little bit, but I, I spent a fair amount of my years at Pro Football Weekly where fantasy was a big part of what we did. So um, I was well-versed in it. And I, I will say my um, participation in fantasy football has probably dropped a little bit since I've been a beat writer. Um, to keep up uh, and actually if I can tell you guys a quick story please about the challenge of having a fantasy team and being a beat writer. It was uh, 2016 and I was uh, in Michael Bellar's fantasy league in the championship against Connor McKnight. I am in Tampa Bay at the Bears Bucks game a totally meaningless game late in this you know week 16 The Bears jumped out to a big lead they're gonna win the game. You know, pretty easy. End of the game, the Bucks throw a Hail Mary. And Austin Safarian Jenkins comes down with it. Meant nothing. It didn't even mean anything for the spread, but it was the last play of the game. He comes down with a touchdown. I find out in those moments that Austin Safarian Jenkins was on the team I was playing in the championship. So here am I. (laughs) I'm this professional beat writer. I gotta go do a job. I gotta go talk about talk to these guys about the game and write a story. And I am so I got to get over a I'm like, I want to ask every Bears defensive back, why did they not knock that ball down? <laughs> it has cost me a fantasy football championship. I, of course, did not. I am, if nothing, if not professional. But that is just an example of some of the challenges with when you're spending every Sunday, um, you know, you're just watching and analyzing so much of one team. One thing, it's hard to keep track with everything else. But another, if guys on your fantasy team or your opponents are in the game you're covering, uh, it gets a little, it gets a little uh, iffy out there. So I actually try to avoid having bears on my fantasy team to begin with, too, to so just not have to worry about any of it.
0: Which seems kind of uh, counterintuitive, I guess, since you're you're living and breathing the bears every day. You would think like you'd be, you know, you'd have these little diamonds in the rough that you'd kind of pinpoint. But I can see, uh, the, yeah, I can yeah. see the other side. Like you got to sit there and watch them and <laughs> keep it professional.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'll usually, I'll probably have one. A year where, as you said, kind of if there's that one guy that I kind of like last year, I think I put Trey Burton on a few of my teams because I just had a pretty good feeling about what his role would be in the offense. So there, there, I would, yeah, you're right. There are probably, each year I'll probably maybe target one guy um, and, and stack him on, on my teams because I have a feeling about it. But um, yeah, otherwise, I try to, I, you know, Sundays it's funny when I'm at the game, I'm trying very hard to not even think at all about my fantasy teams.
0: Yeah, the funny thing here is, like, normally I'd be like, well, you know, you can get the defense to their kicker, but the defense goes way too early and the kicker's just a, a quagmire,
1: right? Uh, yes, yes. I would highly uh, recommend not picking any of the Bears kickers for your fantasy <laughs> team. All
0: right, let's, uh, so let's jump in. Um, I figured I'd start with with the quarterback and we could work our way down throughout the offense, but um, Mitchell Trubisky is, is, you know, I'm sure if, if you're in fantasy, you kind of understand that the Mitchell Trubisky situation is people love him or they hate him. It's... It's either he's gotten too high in his ADP or he doesn't get enough respect because he runs and he's got these great offensive weapons around him and the Nagy offense is is like built for someone like him. Um you know, he's got the the same offense coming back. Uh can you can you just give us kind of like a quick overview on him and maybe like what uh, on a week to week basis almost what his typical game will look like in 2019 and if he's if he's going to keep running, he's Kind of an underrated runner, I think, that people don't realize when they're listing, you know, the Josh Allen's of the world. Like Trubisky can run, and he has.
1: Yeah, he has. I mean, he's one of the better running quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I think it was the Patriots game last year. He had that long rushing touchdown where I think he ran 80 yards, but it was only a 20 yard touchdown run um, because he was running all over the field. Uh, I I don't, I'm not sure how much they're going to corral that because it is a weapon for them. Um, the one reason I could see it potentially not being utilized as much is simply because they're going to feel more comfortable with him in the passing game, and their hope is obviously going to be that some of those scrambles that came from plays breaking down, that plays breaking down won't happen as much this year. Um, you know, Mitch is everybody inside Hallis Hall is legitimately excited. Like they think he's going to take a big step. He's very confident. He's very comfortable in this offense. He's got all the physical tools. You just need to get rid of some of those throws that you know, make would make Matt Nagy pull his non-existent hair on his head out. Like the, those are the th- plays they need to dial down this year. And from a fantasy perspective, you know he had that like crazy game against Tampa last year, um, and then he also had some duds. Uh, and and as I'm as we're going to get into, this is going to be a hard offense to really evaluate from a fantasy perspective, because it is very much a spread the wealth kind of system. Um, but I would expect, you know, Mitch to be in that kind of 220 to 250 passing yards a game. Um, you know, they are all expecting the offense to be better than last year, which it really has to be if they have these durable aspirations. Um, and, and so then you're kind of maybe looking at maybe one to two passing touchdowns a game. Um, it's still hard for you know me to go too you know, too much higher than that. Uh, because we just, you know, we just haven't seen him show off that consistency. I think the playoff game is a great example of what Mitch was last year. The offense was really uneven in the first half, and then in the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, he and Al Robinson just started lining up the Eagles' defense, um, and 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 that was kind of emblematic of what we saw from the offense all year long, where some games they were on fire and really. Th- you know, could see the defense wasn't ready for it. Some games it just wasn't working. They stalled too often. Um, and part of that was a, a really inconsistent run game, which is supposed to be better this year. So, you know, Mitch is still obviously a, 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 a definitely a QB2 when it comes to fantasy. Um, I, I do think it's fair to expect him to have better numbers though um, this season. And as I said earlier, I, 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 the running is a nice little bonus, but it's not something you can really count on. Because so much of that running was, um, you know, kind of kind of his ability to scramble if a play broke down.
0: We had um, Vic Taffer on the show last week, and uh, he was kind of you know D- Derek Carr was, was QB I think twenty two with ADP, and he's like no he's he's QB fifteen, um, which I mean still puts him in QB two territory, but he was a little more bullish on Carr. Um, so I guess if you're putting Carr up against Trubisky, is is there is there a reason? Would you be like yeah you got to take Trubisky over Carr because of the running or because of the like you said, you're gonna—it's gonna be spread out the wealth a little bit, but Trubisky's gonna be one spreading out the wealth, so he'll benefit from it. Um,
1: you're, you're right, and I think too that you know, going back to the running, you do have that opportunity for a designed run touchdown. Um, you know, if they had a couple of those last year where they're at the four-yard line, it's you know one of those read you know, RPO um, option situations where he's gonna take keep it, to himself and walk into the end zone, uh, which you know you're not gonna get that from Derek Carr. Uh, and I think the Bears offense just has more weapons than the Raiders, for that matter, as well. Um, you know, Carr's got more, um, to use a John Fox phrase, he's got more skins on the wall uh, because, you know, he's, he's done it before and, and Mitch has not done it yet um, at this level. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just it's hard, guys, because, um, you know, there could be a game where they get inside the 10 yard line five times and all five times it's a rushing touchdown. You know, it's not like nice. yeah, you know, some, right. of these, some of these elite quarterbacks, you know, you can count on them when their team gets inside. They are the best way for that team to score and they're going to throw the ball. And you just don't know yet if if Mitch is going to be able to be that guy for this offense. Got it.
0: Uh, so moving along to the running game, because um, I've like I've been I, this is the one that I wanted to talk to you about from from the time I read it. Um, like I might have been more than a month ago. There was, there was a Mike Davis nugget. Like I put together, like I, I read everything on the site and I kind of aggregate like some of the best stuff and put it in one column. like here's all the fantasy relevant stuff that our writers are writing about. And there was a Mike Davis nugget in there. and I think it might have been in there, like in two separate articles where it, 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 you know, you, you hear the name once, you're like, okay, but you hear it twice and you're like, something's going on here. Um, it was something like they aren't paying Mike Davis three million dollars just to be in there on third downs. Um, and you know everyone's so in love with David Montgomery, but meanwhile, like they, they brought in Mike Davis and I pulled this quote, um, they had to get a back that fit what Matt Nagy wants to do with the backfield before the draft, and that back was Davis. And in another article I read that you wrote, it, it was like really, uh, not even reading between the lines, but it was like Davis is picking up that playbook and surprising people with how smart he is and how quickly he can adapt and do different things. And he's like, yeah, I think I surprised him myself with you know how much I can do. Um, is, is Mike Davis, I mean, I guess we can wax poetic about him for a second, but is there a chance here that everyone who's so hard on David Montgomery— it might be missing this Mike Davis thing, and Montgomery maybe just you know needs a year or two of seasoning. And this is going to be a Mike Davis year, or am I reading yeah, way too much into that?
1: No, you're not at all. And and I think you know there's two ways to look at it. One, I think it's fair to temper some expectations for David Montgomery, David Montgomery because of the presence of Mike Davis. But I also don't think anybody should be running into their fantasy drafts and and, and finding a way to get Mike Davis on your team in the earlier middle rounds. You know, certainly a late round guy is a flex guy, but. You know, in, in that article you were alluding to, you know, the draft is such a crapshoot. And the Bears had no way of knowing they were actually going to get David Montgomery. Uh, you know, they obviously had a plan. He was high on their board. Um, when, the, when the opportunity was there, they pounced. So I, I think we have to remember that Mike Davis was really their first priority of fi- fixing the running back position this offseason. They signed him the first day of free agency. He... They just gave him three million dollars. Um, you know, I was. T- it's like last the last couple of years they had Benny Cunningham, who would be you know third down back, you know pass catching back, sometimes in some situational things if they weren't comfortable with Jordan Howard or Tre Cohen. I think that's Mike Davis on an exponential level because you know his, he's making three million dollars. You don't pay a guy that much money to just have four touches a game. Um, he's versatile. Twice this week Ryan Pace has brought him up. In interviews um, about how much they liked him uh, and about how they kind of targeted him early because they they liked his fitness offense. Um, You know, I peg him as third downs, uh, two or four minute drills, and what would be important to fantasy for right now, I think he could be your inside the five yard line guy. Um, just because of the experience he has doing it in the NFL. You know, Eventually, Dave Montgomery is going to be that guy. He might be that guy from week one if they feel comfortable. But I think there's a comfort level with Davis, having been in the league for a few years, that they might give him some more of those crucial carries. Even if David Montgomery ends up being your first and second down guy and getting more touches overall, I think Davis might be your guy in big-time situations, which you know could kind of even things out a little bit, especially early on. In the end of the season, guys, come January – I think you're going to look back and Dave Montgomery is going to have a lot more touches, a lot more yards, you know, more production, more fantasy points. But especially for the first half, I think Mike Davis is going to be, you know, a legitimate factor in that backfield.
0: And is, is Tariq Cohen just kind of just expect the same thing that we did last year? I, it, everything I've read and seen so far, it doesn't seem like his his role is growing. Or you know, they're not saying like, oh, we're going to give him you know some carries on. It just seems like. It's kind of like understood. Like he's just kind of like that that staple. That's he is what he is, and he'll probably do the same thing this year.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. You know, they're all you're always looking for more ways to get Tariq Cohen involved. Um, you know, his, his playing time. There, there's room for it to grow. There's room for him to get more touches. I wonder this year, and if if the additions of Montgomery and Davis mean fewer carries for Tariq Cohen. But then we will get to the receivers in a little bit. You talk about the receivers they're adding and the guys they get back. You're like, well, where are they going to find room for him to be more of a wide receiver? So I, I still th- I think you're right to assume it's going to be similar to last year, which is great if you're in a PPR league. Um, you know they're, they're going to find ways to get him the ball. The playoff game, the Eagles, you know, took him out, and, and the Bears, Matt Nagy was not able to, within the game. To kind of find a way around that. And, you know, I think that's certainly the goal for the Bears is not let that happen again. Um, but you know, with the extra guys they have, they don't they know they want Cohen to be involved, but they also got to remember the guy's five foot six, he's still a Pro Bowl power turn, and you wanna use that as a weapon as well. And, you know, maybe it's okay to not give him uh, too many touches in a game and to keep him fresh as the season goes along. Uh, so you know, and last year was great production from him. And I think if you're gonna get that again, you're okay.
0: Is, should we be adding, like, 10% to every player on this team because it's that second year in that Nagy offense? Like, when people say it's hard to master a playbook, and he comes from the, you know, the, the Kansas City tree, I guess, is, is there something to be said? Like, is it a very complicated thing, and by year two, more people are comfortable? Or did we kind of see them hitting their stride, you know, maybe halfway through last year? Is, is, there, is there anything to that? Is, is that the kind of playbook they run there, where, where it's just another year, another offseason, more seasoning is, is really going to help them?
1: No, I think it will. Um, you know, Last year, Matt Nagy's talked about this a few times. This time last year, they were watching 2017 Chiefs tape. That's what they were watching to learn the offense. This year, they can watch 2018 Bears tape. And that makes a big difference in the way these guys can learn. Um, you know, This time last year, everything was new. Now these guys know where to be. Um, they understand Mitch. They understand the types of plays that they're going to run. Uh, You know, there's just a lot more comfort. And and Matt Nagy says at the owners meetings that, um, you know, he expects every single player on offense to be better simply just because they know what they're doing um, and and better than they did at this time last year. So there's going to be uh, there should be an increase in efficiency, which is something this offense really lacked last year. Um, so that, that would make sense as something to, you know, is that going to mean that this is going to be like, you know, a, a, a run and shoot offense. It's going to put up 30 points a game. No. Uh, but the the, 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 a lot of those little mistakes they had last year, they should be able to clean up.
0: Um, so you kind of alluded to talking about the wide receivers with, with Tariq Cohen, maybe, you know, that whole lining up on the slot thing. Um, but it's, it's, it seems like Taylor Gabriel and Cordero Patterson, uh, can kind of fill that role. They, they seem like those X factors. And I don't know if Taylor Gabriel has kind of maybe graduated isn't the right word, but remember how like Randall Cobb was like that X factor for a few years. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, a, a legitimate wide receiver. And I maybe like Tariq Cohen maybe did that a little bit, but is, is Taylor Gabriel, I've always thought of him, like when it was with the Falcons, I'm like, okay, you know, good receiver. Um, and then seemed like he was getting a little gimmicky. And now is he back to being just a straight wide receiver? Or do they have kind of like, three of the same guy in Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, and Cordell Patterson. And I know, like, Cordell Patterson's a huge dude. I'm just saying, like, role-wise, where they can use them in the offense. Like, I I guess you kind of almost said it. Like, do they already have that guy? And is that going to kind of stunt Tariq Cohen and and kind of set the stage for Gabriel and Patterson to surprise some people?
1: You know, I think people were surprised last year at how much Taylor Gabriel played. I mean, he was out there a ton. He's a starting wide receiver. And it was the first time in his career he's been kind of a full-time wide receiver. And that – that required a learning curve. He had a couple big games. Um, you know, the, the screen game with him really rarely worked, um, but the deep ball game with him was pretty good. Uh, and I think he has kind of become a little bit of a forgotten guy this offseason. A few of us, writer, the writers, were talking about this last night. That when you know when you have Anthony Miller in year two, you know Al Robinson has potential to be a star. You draft Riley Ridley. You, you sign Cordero Patterson, and you look at how much money Taylor Gabriel's making, you're thinking, oh, well, this is the odd man out. But that's not the way the Bears looked at it. They looked at it as Taylor Gabriel had struggles getting acclimated to the playbook and his role last year. He knows all that now, and he's real confident. Watching him at camp, has been it's been eye-opening a little bit. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean for his season or his fantasy, but I can tell you he's going to be on the field a lot, and he's going to get a lot of targets. Uh, they're going to find a way to you, get him the ball.
0: So, do do you mean eye opening? And like, he looks great in the offense. Do you mean eye opening? Like in how they're using him and what he's doing is like people are going to be very surprised when they see how much Taylor Gabriel's in here and how well he's doing in the offense.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's doing anything so much different than what we saw last year. I just think it's kind of eye opening. Like it was like a reminder that here's a guy with the, with you know rare speed, and he's out there all the time with the first team offense, and he's a starting wide receiver. Um, and, and I think I, I think we just kind of we, we forget about that with him because of all the other players they have, and because he's not a, and from a fantasy perspective, he's not a red zone guy. You know, he's he he is low on this list of guys who are going to get the ball in the red zone. If he's getting it inside the five or ten, it's going to be on a gimmick play, which could work periodically. But you're more comfortable with the Robinson and Trey Burton, even Tre' Cohen when you get to that part of the field. But I, I think just in terms of usage and reps and targets, uh, you know, I, I think Taylor Gabriel is going to be right there uh, in the, the the top four with Allen Robinson. If, in terms of overall touches, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel, to me, I still think he's going to end up with more touches and targets than Anthony Miller, who I know people are more excited about and he's got a higher ceiling as a receiver because he's a more complete receiver. And he's going to get more red zone touches, which is important, obviously, for fantasy. But I still think of right now, Gabriel is still going to be that guy who's going to get more attention, um, especially early in the season if it takes Anthony Moore a little more time.
0: I, I mean, can we – I don't want to declare Taylor Gabriel anything right now, but like is this a situation where maybe we're looking at 100 targets – 70 receptions maybe a thousand yard season and like six touchdowns is that like the taylor gabriel ceiling or is it i mean is that even so like somewhere in the realm of possibility
1: you know that could be a ceiling i I think you you kind of if you're going to make scenarios for this offense and you have a scenario that is mitch is electric mitch is the quarterback the bears think he is then yes, like you can start talking about two 1,000-yard receivers and a guy like Gabriel really taking advantage. I just think that because this offense just spreads the ball around so much, it's going to be hard for him, even though he's out there a lot, even though he gets a lot of snaps and targets, to really put away those types of numbers in a season when there's so many other guys. I just I just think when you, when you finish a game and you look at the snaps, you're going to continually see that he's going to be up there with more snaps than some of the other guys we talked about.
0: Um, is Alan Robinson the more traditional, like, wide receiver one, steady possession receiver, you know, looking at, like, maybe eight to ten targets a game kind of thing? Just is he back to being normal? He's He's got this full-off season now, um, another year in the offense. Is he someone, that, like, I guess, I don't want to say reliable because he could be a star. But, I mean, you know, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns kind of thing? Is, is that where Allen Robinson kind of fits snugly?
1: I think so. I, I think he'll be a star this year. I, I think that you, you saw it in the Eagles game in the fourth quarter. Um, you saw him in a couple of games during the season, um, but he has been through we're, we've seen five practice four practices in training camp. I would say he's been the best player on offense, um, which he should be. <laughs> he's making you know he's got the money right. he's, he's wide receiver one, like that he should be. But it's been really impressive to watch him because we didn't really get to see this last year in training camp because he was still coming back from the ACL, so things were a little slow. um but he's been dominating. At training camp, and, and I think you're seeing um, glimpses of what he can do for this team. So, if there's one guy on the offense that you can be confident it has the potential for, you know, I'll say Pro Bowl numbers, it'd be him. He's probably the only one, too, Nando. Because you know, as much as you might be excited about David Montgomery, we talked about Mike Davis. You've got Trey Cohen. As much as Trey Burton um, is supposed to be a big part of this offense. He still has never been a guy that's gotten you know a ton of receiving yards in a season. You know, we mentioned the, the the crowd at wide receiver. Allen Robinson is the one guy on this offense that you can say, hey, yes, it is okay to project a thousand yards, whatever, you know, whatever it would take to get to a Pro Bowl. He's the one guy you can feel comfortable saying that he's got that ability um, to him, and he's got kind of the cachet of being the guy where he's going to get all those targets as well.
0: Yeah, like, as I was putting this kind of rundown and these questions together, I'm thinking the same, like, you know, you Cordell Patterson is in a great spot if maybe there were two fewer guys there. You know, like Tariq Cohen, you know, it's, it's exactly how you explain it. Like, you want to get excited about these guys, and maybe as a real football fan, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, and I guess if, if you like to gamble on the over-unders and, you know, who's going to win the NFC and who's going to win the Super Bowl, like, the Bears, with that defense and this offense, look strong. Like, this is a very good real football team. But when you break it down to like how you're going to pick these fantasy players, you know who should be going a little, you know, round or two higher, uh it's tough, man. Like cuz it's it's like you keep going back and forth. It's like the Angel like you the Taylor Gabriel on one shoulder and Anthony Miller on the other and you're like, "Why well, you know? I don't know which way to go here really." So maybe it ends up being you don't.
1: In a Yeah, same and kind it kind of, of way. It, Yeah, and it kind of reminds me, I mean, I, I I'm sure I'll get flack for saying this, but it kind of reminds me of some of the Patriots teams we've seen over the years where you know you're safe with Gronk. You know you're safe with Brady, and then whoever, whether it's Welker or Edelman, like you're safe with that, and that's it. And you know that there's going to be random games where Philip Dorsett or James White or you know whoever it is is going to have a really good game, but you just you can't rely on those guys for a full season. Um, that's kind of reminds me of the Bears, where again, I think you are comfortable taking out Robinson in an earlier round. Um, I think you're comfortable looking at Dave Montgomery as one of those breakout potential players. Um, and I think Anthony Miller a little bit in that category, but still, you've got Taylor Gabriel, you've got Trey Burton, you've got all these other guys, Tariq Cohen. Um, I think Tariq Cohen's kind of a must because of you know the PPR. I think Trey right. Burton is a must because as a low-end, tight-end one. But yeah, this is just a team that doesn't have a whole lot of like, oh my God, I need that guy on my fantasy team in the early rounds. Allen Robinson is probably the only one. Uh,
0: I, I want to get to Trey Burton in a second, but I, I I wanted to bring up a guy who's no longer with the Bears. But fantasy people, you know, he, he just kind of pops up and he's like, oh, I'm healthy now. Oh, no, I'm not. Um, Kevin White in that Cliff Kingsbury offense out in Arizona now. Um, I don't know if you could, if, like, he, I, it seems like he's got the talent. It seems like he's in an offense that can be explosive. And, um, you know, it's a fresh start, whatever, whatever. Is there any kind of fantasy hope for Kevin White? Or, or is this just kind of like one of those sad stories where, you know, you kind of just look back in 10 years and be like, remember Kevin White? Like, he could have been awesome
1: i hope for his sake obviously that that it's the former that he can be a player um you know i think the bears too i mean the guys that drafted him certainly want him to be successful kevin white is going to you know he will be able to give you like a 30 yard catch down the sideline and he could maybe be a red zone threat for you that's about it I, i just never really saw anything from him that told me in between the 20s um, outside of being able to try to beat a guy downfield and go up and get a you know a, in high point to ball over a cornerback, like he's not going to be running in these crafty slants. He's not going to be you know beating guys off the line with a post pattern. Um, it's just the the, the tool set right now is bare because he just he just hasn't had the experience and he just never really became much of a route runner for Matt Nagy last year. So you know I, I think if you use him right and you take advantage of those natural gifts he has, which is speed and size. Um, you know physicality. You can find a way to make him to, to allow him to get you you know a big play here and there. Um, but it's really hard to project anything from this guy. You know the Bears for most of the season last year, including the most important game in the franchise in ten years, Matt Nagy dressed four wide receivers. He had no problem having Kevin White inactive and only having four receivers dressed. And one of those four was Josh Bellamy, who was just a special teamer. So that kind of told you how far behind Kevin White was when it came to trying to contribute to an offense that needed big plays. There was an offense last year that just did not get enough big plays. I think they were 22nd in the league in explosive passing plays. Yet Kevin White could not even find a way to be on the 46-man game day roster unless there was an injury. So... I, I look at what you know Arizona giving him kind of a new life and, and I hope he can be successful. But everything I saw last year, it's hard for me to project a whole lot from him. Got it. Okay, thank you for that.
0: Um, moving on to tight end. Uh, you, you mentioned Trey Burton a couple times. Is it unfair to, to throw Trey Burton and Travis Kelsey's name together? because I mean, it seems like the obvious comparison. and I think I think last year you said that the formation they were using for Burton was basically the same that they used for Kelsey. Back in Kansas City, um, the 12, I think it was. Um, and he would excel. Is, is, is it just at this point, we shouldn't be expecting, like, oh, Trey Burton this year is the year he kind of morphs into Travis Kelsey. Um, is he just kind of like, you know, 65% of Travis Kelsey?
1: Yeah, probably I, Yeah, probably 65, 70%. Um, you know, Burton is, uh, he, he doesn't have kind of the size of Travis Kelsey, like, that, that it's going to really you know, make you make him that like dominant red zone threat. Um, But he's pretty crafty um, and he's targeted a lot. Uh, I I think Trey Burton, there's a lot of pressure on him this year. You know, there's a lot of um, consternation over how his season ended, you know, with that groin injury that popped up the last week, you know, right before the playoff game and he couldn't play in the playoff game. He had off season surgery. um, So he missed all of OTAs in minicamp. Uh, You know, Look, it was it was a legitimate injury. He had to get surgery. Um, but there's a lot of fans that are kind of wondering, well, what the heck? Like you he just missed the playoff game. Um, I, I think this is a guy who's getting paid a lot of money, um, and he needs to be more productive. And Matt Nagy needs to get him better involved in the offense. Mr. Trubisky needs to find better, you know, more ways to get him the ball to create big plays. Uh, Trey Burns is making too much money to not be, you know, collecting 800, 900 yards receiving. Um, this season, so I, I, I expect him to be a focal point of this offense. Um, you know, I, I think Matt Nagy would dream, you know, in his in his wildest dreams, Trey Burton can come close to Travis Kelsey. Um, physically, he's just not there, and he just hasn't had that year that told us tells us he can be there. He had a re- he had his best year of his career last year. Trey Burton did, but he needs to do more for this offense to kind of legitimize the importance of that position in this offense and the type and the contract he has.
0: Is, is Adam Shaheen not a fa- – like, someone can't say, well, you know, Adam Shaheen's there. Because I've heard his name a couple times. It might have actually been you in the Beat Writer Roundup. But, you know, you see his name, you're like, oh, you know, should I worry that Trey Burton might be challenged by Adam Shaheen? Or is that just noise, basically?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, Adam Shaheen hurt himself the first day of practice and has been out for with a lower back injury the past couple of days. And that's been his problem throughout his career is staying healthy. They They were legitimately excited about Shaheen, though, starting – all the way in January through the offseason because they did not sign a tight end. They did not draft a tight end. The only thing they did was they converted Bradley Soule, an offensive tackle, to tight end. That is it. So if you're doing that, that means you have a lot of confidence in Adam Shaheen. So for him to be hurt this early in camp is not a good sign. He does look like you know every year in every camp you have that guy that, you know, Changed his body type over the summer, and that's Adam Shaheen. He looks more svelte. Um, he, you know, looks leaner. Um, he did some things to try to avoid injuries, which obviously hasn't, you know, <laughs> didn't work the first <laughs> week of camp. Um, but it did work throughout the spring. He looked really good in OTAs and minicamp. But I think that he is still ultimately going to be a red zone guy, which is good for fantasy. You know, if he's going to, if he's healthy, if he's a full time tight end. You know, it's, he's worth a flyer because he's a much better red zone. He's probably the best red zone target um, in terms of his size outside maybe Allen Robinson on the team. He just has to stay healthy, and we just haven't seen anything from him that tell us he's going to be able to stay healthy and be a productive player for the whole season. Uh, we've seen these little flashes here and there that tell us that he's got the potential, but that's it. Um, you know, if he stays healthy, I, I think he is worth keeping an eye on late in your fantasy draft because that they – obviously are very confident in him because they didn't give him any competition this year, um, this off season, I should say. Uh, but, you know, he, you know, he's got, he's got to get healthy.
0: Got it. Um, b- uh, before well, this might sound childish, but it, I, I need to know this. Um, the Bears offense facing off against that Bears defense every week in practice. Is that going to make them a better offense? Is that, is that a very childish question to ask? Or is that a real thing that, you know, people kind of underestimate in fantasy When you have these elite defenses, and the you know the offense is going up against them, does that make them better?
1: Well, Nando, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? That's right, right? Thank you. (laughs) So, yo, they they talk about it. Um, You know, it it was kind of funny. uh, The first uh, one of the first practices out here, Khalil Mack was like wrecking plays before they could begin, and I think that helps. You know, and for you know Mitch Trubisky to try to make throws against you know you know Eddie Jackson picked him off the other day, Um, and that was like okay. You know, maybe not every safety in the league gets that ball, but if A. Jackson gets there, I got to throw a better ball. So I think there are ways that, that this defense can help these guys out. They they say it all the time. That's a little bit of coach speak to a to a point, but I think there is some legitimacy to seeing this seeing this defense every day in practice, um, in the in training camp setting that that it, that it challenges them um, to be better. And there are different, you know, for each wide receiver that's going up against Kyle Fuller Prince Prince Kamara, you know, th- th- those are individual challenges those guys are getting that, that you would think makes them better. And and look at these running backs, too. Um, you know, I'm watching David Montgomery, and he's being asked to pass protect against Roquan Smith. You know, Mike Davis has to run a route against Roquan Smith and You're talking about two of the more better inside linebackers in the league. That should only help these guys out.
0: Dude, like this, I mean, so it's like Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack. But, oh, like, hold, like, this... I'll draw this parallel. Maybe I'm right or wrong, but that Cleveland team—it seems like um, remember when the Lakers got like Carl Malone and, Ge- and Gary Payton, like they stacked up, and that team was just a disaster. Um, and you know, Cleveland seems like they added all that talent. Oh, maybe not, because you don't remember the Smurfs. Uh, so maybe this is too—maybe is too old for you. But um, this this kind of this, this Bears team seems like more homegrown and electric. Where you know, Cleveland seems like they just added some people, and it, it could it could go either way, but. This defense, man, like, and and you throw Chuck Pagano in the mix, and you know he was, uh, he came up as a defensive coordinator. He, he was he was an awesome secondary guy. It's just, this could be like this is a really, really, I think Eddie Jackson. I saw his name like five or six times, and I never really pick up on um, you know, a lot of the defenders and a lot of secondary stuff, uh, you know, preseason or whatever. But this this defense is like people are taking it first, obviously, but this might be like. A seventh round defense, you know, like this is like a maybe you want to get this defense. They're going to be nasty.
1: Yes, you definitely do. You know, it's in some ways it's kind of unfair to expect them to get have the same takeaway rate that they had last year, which was insane. Um, but you know, I actually wrote a story about this over the summer. If you just kind of Google um, Bears regression, Kevin fishbang you'll find it. Um, and what I did was because it's it's such a common thing among uh, national reporters to say hey um, the bears are going to regress their defense is not going to good as last year and my response to that was uh, no no duh they had the best dvoa for a defense in seven years of course they're not going to match that but individually cleo Mack missed two games last year and he was not himself for two others so essentially he was out for four games so he's got more potential which is scary They they think Leonard Floyd could be a star this year, and and I've had cynical fans say, "Oh, I've heard this before," but no, you've not. This is totally different with the way that he has he's kind of come along this spring. So you have that. You have the fact that other guys are still young, like an Eddie Goldman, and then the biggest one is Roquan Smith. I mean, that guy was not at training camp last year. Yeah, now he gets to do the whole training camp. He gets that that obvious second year bump that every you know great player gets in their second year in the NFL. I mean, individually across the board, there's reason for a lot of these guys to still have room to ascend. Eddie Jackson had a career year last year. That was only his second year in the league. There's no reason to think he can't continue to be a star. So, will 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 the team statistics match the crazy um, bar they set last year? Probably not, because who I, you, that's just like nearly impossible. But individually across the board, there's a lot of guys on this defense that have not hit their ceiling yet.
0: Man, all right, this is gonna be fun. Make sure you make sure you have that follow button on Kevin Fishbane uh, in the site. To be honest, like I, I don't know exactly where it is. I think if you go to your author, you go to the author page, you can click on it right there, um, or follow Chicago. This is this is gonna be a good good team, um, and I think a fun team too. Uh, so, before we let you go, and I know you got to run to practice, uh, we you know getting to know Kevin Fishbane. Just some rapid fire questions for you, and I took out the Smurfs one. Uh, for, for those who don't know, what we're talking about Kevin and our producer Michael Beller uh, did not know anyone besides Papa Smurf. So, I guess I'm a I'm an old guy now. That's good. Good to know.
1: Uh, you ready, Kevin? I'm ready. Hit me. Favorite ice cream flavor. So, this should be. I'm sorry to end the rapid fire quickly. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't like chocolate. It's a really weird thing, but I do not eat chocolate. I never have, it was at least since I was a kid, and I learned I didn't like it. So that severely limits my ice cream flavors. So I'm very simple with it. I'm big, just I, I love strawberry. Like that's, I mean, it's again, it's kind of blah, blah. It's not exciting, but I need to give you that. Caveat, So you knew that wasn't just being super boring. I don't like chocolate. It eliminates a lot of ice cream flavors. So I'm good with a strawberry or like a caramel kind of thing. Even just some good old vanilla, totally fine.
0: I'm going to date myself, but did you, it was strawberry quick the way you went then
1: instead of the chocolate milk? Yes. Oh yeah. No, all I right. was, I was a strawberry milk guy and strawberry quick on my vanilla ice cream. Nice. Nice. Um, a favorite cartoon. I meant that one from the Smurfs for you. <laughs> uh, Recess was my all time favorite cartoon growing up. What's the last movie you saw in the theater? Oh, my gosh. Um, man. Has it been a while? It has been a while. Um, what was the – I can't believe I don't even remember the name of the movie. Um, <laughs> you're allowed to pass on some of these if you'd like. The Big Sick. All right. I just had to Google it. All right. Wow. All right. I, I think The Big Sick was the last movie – yeah, that's crazy. It's been, has it been that long? Am I, I really think it's been that long since I saw a movie in the theaters. No, you're not an Avengers guy? No, I really should be. I, I've, like, I've gotten so overwhelmed and I like, I'm like, I need to sit down one summer, one off season and just go through the, everything. Because I know I'd love it. I just never, it, just, it came out at a bad time in my life because it came out in this time of my life when I don't see movies in theaters.
0: All right. <laughs> um, best Chicago bar. Someone's going to Chicago. Tell them, go here.
1: So my favorite bar is the Burwood Tap. Um, Hopefully our producer, Michael Beller, approves of that. Um, It's it's kind of a divey bar. It's old school. Um, There's no food there except for frozen pizzas. They got the popcorn machine, the pool table, the darts, kind of small-ish TVs so you can watch a game there. Um, It's just a good little neighborhood tavern. Um, that's probably my my uh, favorite spot in Chicago. Nice. Uh, what color pen do you write with? Uh, blue or black? Yeah, usually blue or black. Keep it simple.
0: Doesn't matter. You don't have a like. I I'm blue. Like I love blue. You're, uh, you're no. just whatever. One yeah, yeah.
1: Matter. I I guess I'm probably black because like the mo the, the big pens I get are all the. I'm more of of the type of pen it is. Like it needs to be, um, you know. I need the double click. I need a little. Uh, I need to be able to hook it onto a, a notebook easily. I need, you know, I need for it to not, you know, smear. So I'm more concerned about the type of pen as opposed to the color.
0: Uh, do you collect anything?
1: I collect anything? Um, I guess not anymore. No. You yeah. wow. it makes me feel old. I don't have, I don't have anything I collect I was, any it's anymore. It's all right. Is
0: it, I mean, I don't, like, I, I don't know how I would answer that myself. Like, <laughs> I guess I still collect baseball cards once in a while, you know. I'll buy a pack if I'm at Target or something. Anyway, uh, what candy do you give out at Halloween?
1: This is where my wife and I argue because going back to I don't eat chocolate. So I want to go get that giant variety pack that is like Skittles and Sweet Tarts and Airheads and like things that you'd never want in your goodie bag or your your trick or treat bag, but I want to ha- I want to be able to enjoy the extras. So and she'll be like no, everyone wants chocolate, just do chocolate. So I will say Skittles if it was up to me. I'd be throwing Skittles out everywhere so that I could have all the remaining Skittles.
0: <laughs> Got it. Uh, favorite book of all time?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'll go uh, The Things They Carried, Dave O'Brien.
0: Uh, did you watch Game of Thrones?
1: I did not. Never seen an episode. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, and final question. How many free throws can you hit
1: if you were to attempt 10 right now? I I think I could hit... Seven, actually. That
0: was very impressive.
1: Yeah. I if you asked me how many layups I could hit in a row, I'm not sure I could hit out of ten. I don't think I could say seven. I could probably hit maybe one three pointer out of twenty. But free throw was kind of my sweet spot. I felt I feel like I might miss the first two and then finish strong. So I'll i I'm go I'll go high and I will go seven and hopefully nobody will challenge me to do that.
0: <laughs> All right, that's how you end a show. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Kevin Fishbane, uh, Kay Fishbane on Twitter. You you must have like some really cool fantasy team names. You got a lot to work with there.
1: Ah uh, man, Nanda, you just made me feel bad that I probably I don't if you've got an idea, let me know and I'm happy to I'm I'm bad with fancy team names. I should have some better ones though. We
0: have Bane I mean, like the fish Banes of my existence or something like that. <laughs> you know you got fish in there, so I don't know. This is like Kevin's team, team eleven? That
1: yeah, kind of I got stuff. things to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got some. I usually I'm a Northwestern guy, so whatever Northwestern player is in the league at the time, his name will usually somehow be factored in. So this year I gotta think of something with Clayton Thorson. Um, oh. And try to figure out a way to to involve his his name, uh, like before, like Trevor Simeon. So I think it was like touchdown for Trevor or something. Like so, I usually try to buy. There's there's so few Northwestern guys that ever make the league. So that that's given me a, a generally a, a good kind of theme to to follow along.
0: Right. And it's it's very odd that you see uh, someone in journalism from Northwestern too. So that's also <laughs> yeah, very, There's, that's there's very so strange. few of us,
1: especially yeah. especially at the athletic. You know, we we need to get more. <laughs>
0: Um, Kevin Fishman, man, I, I know. I'm sorry we kept you late. I know you got to run and, and, and go to the practice, but um, I don't know. Thanks, man. I really, I'm just fanboy. I love reading your stuff, man. When I started here, like the Chicago stuff, it really stood out. It was really good, and it, in a way, maybe I don't know if you're doing this subtly, but it, it speaks very much to the fantasy players. So,
1: mm-hmm. thank you for much, that. Much appreciated. As I said, I have a little bit of a background writing about fantasy, my my former job. So, I'm happy to keep that in mind. And I always say this to friends or family. Um, I'm happy to give you advice. You are not allowed to blame me if my advice goes awry because Matt Nagy decides that's the game that he is going to make Cordero Patterson the feature of the offense.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, man. Uh, thank you very much. And for those of you uh, who are enjoying this series, we got the Bucks coming up next uh, on Thursday. But thank you again, Kevin Fishman, for joining us, man. This was awesome.
1: Yep, thank you.